Hi, I'm Rena Grobe. And I'm Madhvi Romani. And this is Misinformed, the podcast for lazy but smart people. Every week we'll be discussing a different trend or topic so you can stay informed the easy way. So, Madhvi, what's the topic this week? Last Sunday, the first ever leftist president was elected in Colombia. His name is Gustavo Petro. And it's really interesting development and a big deal for Colombia, for South America and the Americas in general. So we decided to get our good friend and Colombian, Camila Miranda, on the show to discuss what this means and to give us some context. Camila is a Berlin-based Colombian designer, artist, and color expert. She participated in the Bogota Fashion Week 2017 and her work has its basis in sustainability, magical realism, and surrealism, and is concerned with feminism, peace, and, of course, Colombia. Which is why we thought she would make an excellent guest. Welcome, Camilla! Thank you, Rina and Madvi, for having me here. We're so excited! I'm excited to be here with you. What was Sunday like for you? Well, Sunday, it was such an emotional day, and I would say that it was an emotional week. Because we had the chance to vote uh, since Monday for the people that live outside Colombia. And pretty much I was just sure it was going to be fraud. And I was worried and sad and just prepared to be disappointed. But I sat with my partner to see a YouTube live transmission. When the results came in, I just couldn't stop crying. I felt such a release. And when you say fraud, what exactly do you mean? As in like voter fraud or... Okay, so pretty much in the preliminary consultation, there was fraud. A lot of votes disappeared from Gustavo Petro. And as he had like his own judges and people to look for them, they found that they were not counting a lot of votes. This happened also the past years. And yeah, it's on the story of our country. Also on Thursday, allegedly, a simulation of the elections was made on the registry software. CNN had a widget with a connection to this page and some users interpreted these numbers as a fraud and the results were that Ridol Fernandez had won with 45.75% of the votes. Ah, so someone was like hacking it or messing with it. That was the rumor that spread. Then when they talked to the registry, they just said like it was a simulation. We still don't know if this was really a simulation or if this was just fraud or attempt of fraud. Wow. Wow. So I guess based off this fraud in election is something that you're really used to and has sort of been yeah happened before in the last exactly. elections. And they also can buy votes, you know, like they can offer people from an empanada to 10,000 pesos that it would be like $3 or, or less. <laughs> and you talked about Fernandez, who was the guy who called Hitler a great German thinker. Yeah. But he actually did quite well, considering, right? It was, like, almost 50-50. Like, he won by, like, a very small margin. Yes, he did. But the thing that leaves us with uh, discomfort, I would say, is that this 50-50 means that the half of the country was not does not agree with Petro. But it also means that there was a campaign saying everything that is not Petro. So everyone's rather to vote for our Colombian Donald Trump, that's how they call him, rather than to vote for Petro, even without understanding what he means with his politics, even without trying to understand what he is going to. They just say everything, but not Petro. Okay, 
Tell us about Petro and why people are against him, what his politics are, what's exciting about him, what people don't agree with. He fought his entire life since he was almost 14 against traditional politics. Traditional politics in our country means that for the past 200 years, only 40 families have inherited the Colombian government and every position. So they pretty much, they call them the dolphins. Like in France, they call Louis XIV the dauphin because he inherited the father's throne and then he was a king. And that's what they have done in Colombia for the past 200 years. It's like the same 40 people or families. Families, yeah. Families always in charge. Even after the colony from, you know, from families from Spain and... Yeah, but as long as I remember, they are the same, the same guys and the same families. So Petro is completely outside this. Yeah, Petro's family were also against this traditional politics, so he as well inherited this opposition mindset from his family. So he was just uh, fighting against the traditional politics. He was a member of the urban guerrilla M19, M19, and he was in prison. He was tortured. A lot of things happen, like in this context, a lot of them are true, a lot of them are rumors. But after this, they signed a peace agreement with the government, and they made this peace agreement. They made change in the constitution, and that was very important because it's a constitution that we still have. So after this peace agreement, yeah, pretty much people got more rights. That after that, he started a political career in the Senate and in the Congress, and he was elected as a mayor of Bogota. And he was the first one finding the word uh, that is called parapolitics, that is just the relationship that politics have with paramilitars. Ah, cool. So he was a fighter. There are lots of guerrilla groups in Colombia. Yeah, but pretty much he was not a guerrilla fighter. Okay. He was he was uh, defending, like defending the ones that go to jail, or he was like behind the law. He was doing the paperwork. Uh, of so was... course, there are rumors that he hid some weapons that they stole. That he was like the intellectual mind behind this, but he was not the one that went to fight. So he was a bureaucrat in the guerrilla organization. Yeah. He was the one doing admin. (laughs) (laughs) The admin guy. So for those of us who don't know Colombian politics, I know it's quite complicated. Can you tell us about how these guerrilla groups came about, how they operate? Like, I know that's a really big question. Yeah, well, we would need like (laughs) three podcasts to explain this whole thing. As we mentioned, like there's a lot of issues between paramilitaries, guerrilla, and narcos. But the first thing would be to understand the difference between the guerrilla and the paramilitaries, because both are consequence of a negligent and an oppressive government. And of course, I don't justify this action, but these groups are just the result of the way politics have been managed. On the first hand, guerrillas are the leftist armed groups that were formed in the most marginal communities. They were abandoned by the state and they really had not other way to make an opposition for this centralist and corrupt government. We talk about the word centralist because all the laws and everything is just focused on Bogota, on Medellin and two or three more big cities. The rest of the cities around 
it seems that they are not protected by the state and they are not treated as if they were part of Colombia. And on the other hand, we have the, the paramilitaries that they are pretty much the right-wing response to the guerrilla. They are formed by the alliance of armed groups, by the police and the army, which means that they are sponsored by the government or business people, usually claiming that they want to defend private property. Mm-hmm. So both had very different philosophies. They have very different to execute violent actions and different war tactics. And they are pretty good explained in this book that I'm going to share with you. But definitely the people that goes into these groups, they don't have a choice. And it all comes to the decision of joining the armed forces or getting killed anyway. So for me, this is an unpopular opinion, but they are also victims as well. Mm. What's the book, in case anyone Mm, wants to... This book is called Basta Ya. The translation would be like, Stop It Now. And this is more than a book. This is a report by the Center of Memory of Colombia. So they show everything with real data and with facts. And they explain every part of the problematic in Colombia, starting with the history and then dividing it by which group is which group and how did they interacted and how they did these violent actions because you have to put to divide each action in what it really is. So in terms of groups fighting in Colombia, you had the narcos, you had the military, you had the guerrillas, and then you had the paramilitaries who were offshoots of the military or the police. Am I getting it right? Mm, no there's more (laughs) no 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 it's just that the paramilitaries are pretty much the way that the government wants to get rid of guerrilla but as they cannot make certain things they just have to hire or they just have to get poor people also like mercenaries exactly that would be the word so they're separate from the military groups they're like mercenaries so we have narcos military guerrilla groups mercenaries all happening in colombia serena and i when we were researching this watched this video by geography now about colombia he just does really fast 10 to 15 minute summaries of countries yes so here is his explanation of politics in colombia one should add this is from 2016 okay I'm going to try to condense this in the quickest way I possibly can, but essentially, it all started with the liberal and conservative parties fighting against each other until all hell broke loose, and then this guy was assassinated in the 40s, inciting a 10-year civil war, which ended with each side agreeing to give consecutive ruling power between each side, alternating each four years. But then the people were like, no, we don't like that. So they created their own left-wing guerrilla warfare groups like FARC, M19, ELN, inspired by Che Guevara and the Marxist ideologies whom fought against the government and a few incidents against themselves sometimes, whereas parts of the Colombian army broke off and created their own illegal paramilitary groups that fought against both the regular military and the guerrillas. As all this was happening, drug cartels were growing and expanding their billion dollar empires in the 80s and 90s, the largest ones being the Cali cartel led by the Rodriguez Orihuela family and the Medellin cartel led by Pablo Escobar, the richest drug cartel of all time. The cartels were so powerful, they actually kind of technically ruled parts of the country and they fought against each other and the paramilitary and the government and the guerrilla warfare groups. And all while this was happening, the biggest casualty of the entire conflict was the everyday Colombian citizen that didn't want anything to do with anything. Did I get that right, Diego? Muy bien. As Diego said, muy bien. <laughs> it was good. But yeah, he is quite missing a part that goes after that. That are a lot of things that came up to light. They are calling them the falsos positivos, the false positives. 
it is all under the government of Alvaro Uribe that he said that he was going to fix the whole situation and this is a very fast version as the one that we just saw but he said that yeah pretty much that he was going to take care of everything then the US government gave him money to take care of everything but he did what he could do best he just took poor people from poor kids because they were like kids and teenagers he took them out uh, telling them that they, they he was going to offer them a job they put them on trucks they took them to the countryside they killed them and they dressed them with guerrilla outfits what? at the moment there are 4602 confirmed cases of this I also have the data and the information of this, but there are way more people than this number that I'm saying. They so, just kill children? Teenagers. Yeah, because they needed to respond to the US government with results. So he just said to everyone, like, we are now safe. We can now travel inside Colombia. And everyone was quite convinced that this was true. And everyone was very thankful with this horrible person later we all found out that no he did not do anything except <laughs> killing a bunch of kids yeah how much later did you find out hmm, the rumors started i would say that in 2014 i would say like there are still people that deny this situation, but the strongest group that is confronting them are called the mothers of Swacha. They are the mothers of all these kids that never went back home and they just started to go together and say like they offered him a job, they offered this one to go to the coffee farm. And the way that they found out like one of the main characteristics is that when they found some bodies, they realized that the boots were on the wrong foot, pretty much. So if you ever saw see Colombian campaigns or artists talking about with these boots, it's just referring to how they realized how after killing them, they dressed up at like guerrilla people. That is heartbreaking. It is. So, you grew up in Bogota, and you're an artist, and a lot of your work is concerned with like, peace, Colombia, I guess. <laughs> did you grow up with violence? Did you have interactions with guerrillas, or did you see violence in other ways, or...? Well, as you say, I was born in Bogota, that was my bubble, and I can only tell my experience by saying what I saw on TV. That even though it was just TV, it is way too graphic for what you can see as a child. But I grew with it and with this fear of going outside, of my parents never letting me to go alone because we have to be careful with bomb attacks. But yeah, I was just still in my bubble. So yeah, I think that I found out about everything quite late. Because the way that they tell us the story and the way that they say like, yes, there's war happening, but outside, out there in these little towns, you never know what is really going on out there. And the political situation within the city was felt stable. It felt stable, but it's always like the ghost of a war, like this talk of this internal enemy and that someone is going to attack you and that some 
somehow guerrilla. And the thing is that in the speech uh, that they have, the only bad person is a guerrilla. And I think that that's the problem that they teach you since a very young age, like be afraid of guerrilla, be afraid of guerrilla. But they never say like, be afraid of the government. Mm. Be afraid of the government that is hiring people to kill innocent people that are just, many are just claiming the right. So the story was not told the way it should be. So in Bogota, you have no guerrillas at all? No, not at all. We could see the results of what guerrilla did outside because you see from one moment to another the people that get displaced from their territories that they have to go to Bogota, you know, like one day they wake up and whether it's the guerrilla or the paramilitaries, they just say like, you have to leave this town now, you have to leave your culture, your place, your family. They just took these territories right? So they just ended up in Bogota. So you can see in certain way, but you don't quite understand what is going on. And how did this affect your work? Well, my work is pretty much me. So uh, this is part of my identity, but you know what I do and I like dark humor and I talk a lot about love and a lot about violence, way a lot about violence. So, so yes, I projected what I decided once is just to put on a dress or on a paper the things that I was not able to openly say or that I felt that I was not eloquent enough to make a judgment or say about it so i wanted to show you like just a piece and show, show us, us. yeah <laughs> rina's gonna describe what she sees oh fun this in particular it was inspired by one of the multiple peace agreements that we had and they never happened so it's just about how it did not work and if you see like the little letters the mm -hmm. bullet says Oh, well, this one said bang, 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 but the original say like para, 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 that it means stop, but it's the first words of the word paramilitary. It's a collage of doves, and from the left corner, there's a rain of bullets, and the rain of bullets is sort of intermeshed with words or letters, which we have just been told say para, para, which means stop but also from the beginning of paramilitary. And in the right bottom corner, there is a explosion, and it says kaboom, boom, boom, boom. And there is also, on the top right, is a red circle, where from here I can't read what it says. It says, like, shh, like the way to quiet. Shh, like, be quiet. The way yeah. to be quiet is to blow things up. And so... Yeah, and the message behind this is that 64 ex-Guerrilla uh, ex members that signed a peace agreement were killed in 2020. So pretty much what happens is that they start like this political persecution to all members that even signed a peace agreement that gave their weapons, that decided to live this life and start studying on, you know, like in getting back to society. But the political persecution is still there and they got killed. So, yeah. <laughs> it's very pop arty too, your stuff, a little bit. Like, it's on one hand, it's sort of got a brightness and a fun to it. Like you said, dark humor. But then on the other hand, there's like, yeah, there's the darkness underneath yeah. it. It reminded me of like, you did these really great jeans collaboration with Dawn Denham. And it's quite funny because like, you know, everyone wears jeans and is walking around normal, but there's like, there's quite violent imagery on the jeans as well. <laughs> <Yes>. right? <laughs> 
<laughs> yes, it's really, I really cannot uh, help it, like, to put it there, because, yes, as I said, I just want to have my voice that I don't usually use. Yeah, but I like it, because you, what you were saying about, like, growing up, you have normal life, and then in the background, or, like, there, around, somehow, is this feeling of violence, and, you know, and it's, you can't grasp it concretely but it's just woven into your everyday and like I like that you make this wearable art or this kind of imagery that's sort of like almost everyday but something is really dark and sinister about it as well. (laughs) (laughs) So I wanted to show you like the first piece that I made well one of the first pieces that I made that pretty much explained the whole spirit of what I was feeling so this was called uh, Juliana. So Juliana is a girl that she was... Mm-hmm. Oh, you can read even this and I, then I can describe it to okay. you. Rafael Oriba Nogara, an affluent architect, abducted Juliana Samboni, took her to his apartment where he raped, oh Christ, the seven-year-old indigenous girl and then strangled her to death. So yeah, pretty much my... This dress in particular, I was talking about surreal capital. These are surreal stories that happened inside Bogota. As you can see, I was in a very dark moment because when you realize that just a few blocks from you, you see that this horrible person kills this girl and torture her and I don't even want to imagine what he did to her. Like, I'm almost sure that he's free right now, but if he's in prison, he is watching TV or playing video games because this is what happened to rich people in Colombia. And this girl was yet a victim, so she ended up in Bogota because of violence. And after she got there with her family, this guy makes this. And so she gets re-victimized. And the whole system, like, defends her. So yes, I have, like, a snake raping the girl with the sword. Uh... But hearing this, I realize maybe I am okay with murder. Let's go find <laughs> this man and kill him. Also, a very beautiful dress. This is what's weird. It's actually... I would love to wear this dress because there's a snake on it, but it's got sequins. Where the nipple is, there's an eye. You use these eyes quite a lot. Yeah, this was quite talking about good versus evil. So in this dress, of course, evil wins because at that time they were passing a law against abortion. They were passing a law against gay marriage, against gay adoption. They were passing a law allowing bullfights. So... It was like, what's going on here? How how can this happen? And I just could not keep complaining on Facebook because that's just not going nowhere. This dress so, is a whole text by itself. Yeah. Of it a is. whole time. You it's can amazing. wear it. It's like your size. <laughs> I have it here. <laughs> I want this dress. Yeah, so we'll link to this portfolio in our newsletter because you have to see these images. They're amazing. It's hard to get on a podcast to to understand this. but wow. Yeah, but I was just thinking about this whole darkness. So the dresses started becoming dark because, of course, evil was going to win. This is the first time that I kind of explained this without crying. And this is, I would say that this is how everything started, just getting very angry and just putting everything on my art and... Your art's beautiful. Thank you. Yeah, very powerful. (laughs) And you're so talented. So let's talk about, since we've talked about darkness, what are your hopes for Colombia, especially now that you have a new president? Well, the first thing is that I think that the mindset did change. Mm -hmm. Like, it's so important that young people are voting, young people are reading. Like, when I... 
I've met a couple of friends that were like, no, never Petra, never and again. And I then I just showed them a couple of books and I was like, just, I've been reading this and this is why I think the way I think now. And they actually say like, okay, and this doesn't mean that one of them just say like, I am not a Petrist. I am not like, a, oh yes, I love this guy. But now I do kind of understand this social approach of his. So I think that we still have a very hard work to do and we still have to keep very close this whole situation, you know, to criticize him as hard as we did with Ivan Duque or even harder to be aware that he has to accomplish what he promised. Of course, he's going to make mistakes. Of course, not everything is going to be perfect, but we just have to, yeah, to be supportive, to try to change our mindset and just go behind social justice, I would say. And if, you know, like if anyone supports peace, I am there because it is not fair that everyone did not have the same chances that I had. So everyone should have free, good quality education. Everyone should have healthcare. Everyone should have food and everyone should be happy without worrying that they are going to be killed and displaced from their territories. And then they are going to sell these territories to the ex-president of Colombia that he owes a very big part that doesn't even belong to him. So, yeah. Are you hopeful for the future of Colombia? I am hopeful on one side. I am scared of how the new opposition is going to act because we know that they do not play fair. We know that they are going to make awful things. So, yeah, still concerned, but yeah, <laughs> that's it. Another positive note is that Petro's vice president is Francia Marquez, and she's the first black woman to hold this post. She's a single mother, a human rights defender from Colombia's downtrodden Pacific region, and she won this prestigious Goldman Environmental Prize in 2018. I know you're super into sustainability too, so how do you feel about her? Well, I don't even know how to start with Francia because she is has such a meaningful background, you know, and all that she represents is all that has never been represented by someone before. So that's very important. She is from La Toma. It is a small territory in Cauca. And she started as an activist at a very young age when she, with her community, had to take over a river that was going to be stolen. Believe it or not, rivers get stolen in Colombia. How does one steal a river? You just change the cause. I don't know if that's a word. But yeah, you, you change the change course. the cause of the river. So you put it... Towards yeah, you put, like your a dam or something, and, or you change yeah. it. Yeah, so pretty much this is what big companies do. This is what illegal minery makes. This is how they steal a river. There is a beautiful but heartbreaking documentary. I can also share it with you. It is called The River That Was Stolen From Us. It is from one community from the north of Colombia. Yeah, they pretty much show how their river got stolen and how now they are dying just because of this Canadian coal company that's still there. We'll put a link to it in our newsletter. Yeah. <laughs> and we'll watch it, of course. You were saying people who are not Petrists, I just, I'm curious. Why are they not Petrists? Like, what are their doubts about him? Or is it like propaganda? I would say that is fake news. Fake news. Mm. And also is the way the story they 
they told us, you know, like I believe what my parents taught me and I believe what their parents told me, then it goes back. But what happens is that you need to have perspective. Of course, that if I live in Bogota and the whole city gets insecure and, you know, and I'm worried because there are different people than me in the streets, I should just see why are these people here instead of saying like, oh no, they're so different. I should try to understand why are people robbing because maybe they are just hungry and they don't have anything. So yeah, I think that the story has been told so different to all of us. With Petro, just the fact I show one of the semana that is our Fox News in a magazine that how they say like, who would you vote for? An ex-guerrilla member or an engineer? Ay, 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 ay. That's what they say, and that's how they manage the the media. And now all this misinformation through WhatsApp groups with Facebook, Facebook, it's so awful. So we had Liana on to talk about the election in the Philippines, and she was talking about the crucial role that Facebook played. I think what we're learning is Facebook is evil and needs to be destroyed for the sake of the entire world. Yeah, now Facebook has Facebook dates. They offer me, like, you look single. Do you? What? You look <laughs> single? I'm going to show this, like, they're like, oh, Camila, you should find your other half. Try Facebook dates. I have one more question. Sure. So, you know a lot of people in Colombia, and obviously you've been talking to different, lots of different people, or people you know in Colombia. What are some views from the ground in Colombia about this election? Well, pretty much it depends who do you talk with, because mm-hmm. you always have certain family members that they are like, no, they're going to take our stuff, they're, we are going, because one of the campaigns were... Like, we are going to become the next Venezuela. Mm-hmm. When this has nothing to do with oil. This has nothing to do with the situation in Venezuela. But they like to sell this stuff. So we still have... I still know a lot of people that say, we are going to be the next Venezuela. We are going to make lines to get some food. But I also got these amazing friends that they definitely say that they are full with hope that still we are all very aware that we just have to keep an eye on what is going to happen. I think that I see me and my partner, we just sit every night to watch every YouTuber just to say their opinions and what happens in Colombia. And also we try, we see a the other side of the ultra-right awful people because we need to know what they are telling to others. So yeah, we have both sides, but you're just respectful and I think that everyone is trying to be very cautious at the moment and the real things will come like after he's officially the president when now people are going to be demanding results. Mm. But one of the biggest things that I have like on my feminist groups and that they all talk about is just to keep an eye on Francia Marquez and that her position is respected because no one wants, you know, to know that she was used just to get there. Mm -hmm. So there is a big group of feminists that they are amazing and they yeah pretty much they say like we are going to take care of Francia Marcus position and to let uh, people respect her I so, love women yeah. I love women too yeah they're amazing 
So why do you think Petro got elected? I, there are two reasons, as I said, that it was uh, young people. But there was this thing in 2021 when they decided to make tax reform in the middle of a pandemic where they just wanted to protect the entrepreneurs, how they call them, or the people with private companies. So they just taxed the poor in the middle of a pandemic when they had nothing to eat. And they just were supporting big companies. So everyone went on the strike. I don't know if you remember. It was like the longest strike ever. People went to the streets. They didn't even care anymore about the pandemics. The young people went out. And during this time in the government of Ivan Duque, there were a lot of disappearing people. Police, literally, they should protest their eyes. More than 81 protesters lost their eyes, I think. They you know. shot? Yeah. Like bullets? Like this... Um, Tear gas. This... Uh, rubber bullets? Rubber bullets. But of course, if you shot a rubber bullet to someone's eye... They're going to Yeah. And that was such an awful practice. And we saw this also in the protests that happened in Chile. So mm-hmm. this is something systematic that they do to stop protesters. They don't want them to see. So... This is pretty much what I think that triggered like the whole social change and everybody say like we cannot allow this anymore. We're hopeful for the future. I have to say yes. Yes. (laughs) I would go to cautious. Absolutely. A cautious hopeful. I think that's okay. Yeah, because we still don't know how the opposition can sabotage what is happening now. You know, Mm. we don't know how long is he going to be here. He was destitute as a mayor as well. And on that note, here are our three things you can do this week to be a better person by Camilla. Well, the first thing I would say, if you really want to know about the story of Colombia, don't look on social media for real facts. Just read the book Basta Ya. We're going to share the links in Spanish and in English. So I really recommend this book. I'm going to read it for sure. Me too. On a second note, I would say... Will should get a lesson on perspective, so just try to talk to people outside your circle. If you're a Colombian, remember that we have social classes, and you should talk with people outside your social class. And number three, we're about to link to Camilla's website and her work. Everyone should check it out. She also has a beautiful book of collages, and she has an online store, and she makes beautiful, sustainable original work which has a message and she's an independent artist here in Berlin and she rocks it's amazing stuff my place is filled with all of her things and if you're cool your place will be too (laughs) thank you for listening until next week goodbye if you like the show please share it with your friends and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts You can also help us by supporting us on Patreon for as little as 4 euro a month. Visit patreon.com slash misinformed. For links to all our sources and for our personal tips on what to watch and read, subscribe to our weekly newsletter at misinformed.substack.com. You can follow us on Instagram at the underscore miss underscore informed or email us your feedback, requests, or just to say hi misinformed.podcast at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you.